why are they wearing a mask? I don't understand. Why are we all wearing masks? Like, why are people wearing masks? Hey guys, welcome to Two Suitcases. This is a show where we unpack immigration stories and explore complex topics that transcend borders and culture. I am Bharat Madras Natarajan. And I am Raksha Rajagopalan. In today's episode, we're going to talk about this thing that's been in all of our lives. The pandemic! We're going to have a conversation on how the pandemic has affected our lives, how we've had to adapt, and some of the challenges and the silver linings over the past few months. I can't believe the pandemic has consumed almost a year of our lives. Yeah, a lot has changed in that year, huh? Yeah. Definitely. Speaking of, what, where were you at at the beginning of the pandemic? Do you remember when I you kind of all just hit the fan? Vividly remember. I came back from work. I remember my sister um, panickingly left Seattle because Seattle was the hotspot then. Mm. She said, I'm going to leave the city. I'm going to come stay with you. And she took a flight. She said she was she was really sick when she came to see me. So she still thinks till till date that she could have had the virus, but we don't know. We never got tested. Mm. So she basically was here with me uh, in Jersey, and I, you know, thinking about her panicklingly coming from Seattle, I was actually packing my bags to go home to Zambia because I hadn't seen my family or gone home in over three years at this point. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember, you know, kind of going to the gym and my sister's questioning me saying you're acting like things are normal and I just said yeah I mean I'm gonna hit the gym dude and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna pack and I was packing um, and then my husband Rahul called and he says hey did you see the news Trump just put in an order Um, you know the flights to Europe have been banned and I was kind of shocked because it was reality sitting in my head now where okay, I guess I have to cancel my flights. And he's like, you need to be calling Emirates right now to cancel your flight to go home. And meanwhile, Bharat, you were at home. Yeah. How was that in Zambia? Man, that was a crazy time. Um, I remember that. I remember the conversation. It was weird. One night I was talking to you and you were excited to kind of get packed and whatnot. And then the big orange announced the the ban to all flights uh, through Europe. That's right. We don't say... The T word in yeah, our we don't say podcast. Here. <laughs> but I remember it was just, it, it kind of really did happen overnight. Because I remember the next day, because I was already in Zambia. I was planning on being there for about three weeks. Um, and I think in the last week that I was there, you and Rahul were going to kind of join us. Um, That's right. <clears throat> and, you know, we'd spend some time together. Um, I hadn't been home in about three years as well. So I had just gotten my work visa. And you know how it is with, with the OPT and the H1B when you finally get it. The immigrant life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A lot, a lot of our listeners might have also gone through a similar thing where, you know, you only have brief windows to kind of travel home um, and you kind of take advantage of them, right? Like you don't. Absolutely. You, it's, it's kind of a, a high risk, high reward kind of proposition. Sometimes you just try to take any opportunity to travel back home, see your family and spend time with them. You know, when I was back home, I, 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 I kind of catch catch myself thinking looking back and thinking damn how did I even make that decision to be able to comfortably leave the country 
when the pandemic was essentially in half the world at that point. And know? peak in Seattle. Right, right. It was, it was getting bad here in the U.S. Correct. But I don't know. I, I think I was just excited at the opportunity of, of, of going home. So, yeah, I was home. Um, that, that trip that I took home, I also took the opportunity to, to propose to my long-term girlfriend. Woohoo! <laughs> so, in a weird way... I got a new sister. <laughs> so, in a weird way, it's like all of this uncertainty and fear and all the, this negative emotions that's happening. But at the same time, I, I just got engaged and, you know parents are coming around and you know they are starting to form a relationship with with natasha my fiance um so it's, it's this weird time where all of that is happening and honestly all of that happened within a week and a half That's me right. proposing to her me getting the two families together getting everyone on the same page you know it's it's natasha is zambian i'm obviously indian a lot of you know challenges with an interracial relationship but I took that opportunity to go home and try to kind of force everyone into the room and just, you know, get on the same page. So all of that happened in that week and a half. And I'm glad that you did it the first week. Imagine if you waited yeah. till the tail. And I remember we were talking about it, too, mm-hmm. where you're, we were saying we were giving floating ideas with Bharat uh, <laughs> as to how he should do this. Uh, but he obviously knew what he had to do. And we were saying, oh, you should do it the second week. I will be there the second week. Right, so obviously right. there's intentions that I am going to be there too and I want to be a part of it but I'm really glad that just all weirdly worked out yeah yeah you know it it all worked out well um in the grand scheme of things I just had enough time to spend quality time with with Appa and Amma um at the same time spend some time with Natasha's family as well and get them comfortable with 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 me and our side of the family the idea of you being engaged yeah yeah Yeah. and then I go out on a weekend to see Avanga and propose to her and have the time to do that you know have those like two three days to do that um and then you know so meanwhile the rest of the world has been hit with this pandemic it's kind of falling apart (laughs) it wasn't even called a pandemic at that time yep it was hitting everyone else yeah the pandemic was hitting yeah obviously China was at uh at the peak, they were completely shut off, and yep. everywhere in Europe, things were, you know, out of ha- going out of hand and getting mm-hmm. out of hand. Mm-hmm. And here in the U.S., okay, it existed in Seattle, and everywhere else, we were kind of just hoping it would never reach us. Yeah, and I think it kind of dawned on the the I guess the global community I guess in 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 a matter of like two three days, because I remember the first week I was there, the emotions of the pandemic you knew it was there, but you didn't quite get to what scale. And then all of a sudden, once like one government take action on 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 regulating travel Correct. and things like that, it kind of just dawns on everyone. And I felt like overnight, I kind of just had to find a way to rush out of Zambia because eventually Emirates closed off flights from Dubai to Lusaka. And I managed to get on the second last flight out of the country. Amazing. And this happened like this was a turnaround in, in one day. I woke up, I went on a run, had lunch with the parents. And I was like, go to Emirates office and like, See, I'm hearing rumors about this. I go there. It was a rumor, guys. It was a rumor, right? It you was know, a rumor. guys, we all we are aware of uh, <laughs> WhatsApp forwards from uncles and aunties. Exactly. I, I thought it was something like that too, right? But went to the Emirates office and they were like, "Yeah, you know, there's there's a flight tonight, and there's a flight tomorrow. In tomorrow's flight, the only thing available is business class seats. I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm. I guess I'm getting on a flight tonight. So Wednesday morning, I'm there thinking, damn, I've got like a good like week, week and a half. And Wednesday afternoon, I'm packing my bags and trying to rush out of the country. And, you know, all those emotions of, wow, like I just got engaged. Yep. My fiance is here. She's building a relationship with my parents. 
they're spending time. I want to try and like stay as much as I can to foster that. I also want to spend time with her side of the family because I never really get to do that on top of not getting it, getting time to spend with my own family. Yep. Right. So all those emotions come into play. But at that moment, I won't lie. It felt good because in a sense, I was questioning myself whether I rushed everything in that week and a half. Yeah. But man, packing my bags and getting to the airport, you did the right thing. I felt really accomplished. You did the right thing. And that makes me pose another question to you mm-hmm. is think about it this way. If we were not on a visa, we yeah. were not here in the US as immigrants, you would have never, it would have never crossed your mind to rush back here because right. we are obligated by our visa to not stay outside the country or we cannot work outside the country. And, you know, we have to come back. Meaning, right. even though Zambia is our home, not really. Yeah. Not really. You kind of have a foot in, in two different worlds and you're yeah. trying to juggle, you know, emotionally one of it is home, functionally another is home. Yeah. Also, I guess to some extent emotionally and like you kind of have to take advantage of some of these windows. And, you know, one of the things I think about is when I got back into the country and I got back into my apartment, you know, once I started checking in on my friends, having conversations with them and just making sure everyone is okay, I think like a lot of folks who don't have an international background per se or at, at least aren't on some kind of temporary visa, a lot of them had a very different calculus on how long the pandemic will last, the mm-hmm. the, the intensity of the pandemic, the, the uncertainty of the future. A lot of my friends, and honestly, I was also hoping, but a lot of my friends thought this thing would be over in like two or three months. By the summer, That's right. the virus would go away and we would all be back to work back in the office in, let's say, August. But I think, you know, those of us who... <laughs> who have to, I guess, keep tabs on what's happening in multiple different countries that we have relatives in or we want to go and visit. Yep. I think, you know, it's it's a lot more stressful because you have multiple sets of guidelines and regulations to kind of keep track of. Yep. But it also means to some extent you are maybe a bit more in tune to like the global response to a pandemic like this. Um, and I'm sure... sure I'm sure a lot of a lot of you out there experience that with you know family members in different parts of the world. You just you're getting different set, sets of data and information, and the pandemic is just at different levels in different places, and it's constantly changing. That's right, and you know, Bharat, for you even talking about the visa at that time for me, forget about the pandemic. I was on a time crunch to get back into the U.S. by April 1st, so I had a lot of constraint. I was ready to go. But I needed to come back into the U.S. by April 1st when they would file for my H-1B, mm. which is a work lottery visa that I didn't get the previous years. But yeah, that's another story for another day. But, you know, I had this time constraint that I wanted to make this trip. Yeah. I had to come back by March 31st. I was ready to get on that flight. But then I, w- I was thinking when all of this was happening to Bharat, where he had to come back so soon, if I go there and I get stuck... That means I forfeit the H-1B application. So there was a lot of things. And that made me even more frustrated that I felt that I'm trapped in this world of this immigration world that I've created for myself. Honestly, I've chosen this life. So I'm not really complaining about it, Mm -hmm. but also felt very trapped that, man, my whole life, all my decisions, at least the last 12 years (laughs) of my life, which is majority of my, you know, my formative years uh, or my 20s. um, But, you know, was always consumed by this fact that we have a visa right and on top of it now we have a pandemic yeah speaking of feeling trapped how i'm I'm interested to know how you felt dealing with all the emotions of feeling stuck over here and appa and amma being stuck in in zambia and yep. you know our grandparents and uncles and everyone being stuck in india 
how 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 did you kind of deal with the emotions of being away from family in such such an uncertain time that's a good question honestly um i wish we all lived closer because mm. you know i don't we don't have the liberty to just be i'm going to drive down to my mom's house for an for i'm going to stay there for a week you know that's never been an option it's always kind of we're doing what we're doing on our own which which is a bad thing but sometimes it can be a good thing yeah, you know? that, that, that is also true you know uh but in during this pandemic to be honest i felt that our parents being in in zambia to me felt that it seems safer because mm. at that time when we were looking at numbers it hadn't hit zambia yet or we didn't see any statistics of right. you know it really reaching uh, zambia and i us being here i mean i remember flying from jersey to chicago with you know not even wearing a mask and yeah. you flew back from i flew from back <laughs> i flew because of the pandemic back from zambia to here and i just didn't wear a mask most people on that flight weren't wearing masks it just wasn't as prevalent in our minds yeah. as to what exactly was going on and we felt like i mean i used to think oh my god they're overreacting are they mm. why are they wearing a mask i don't understand why are we all wearing masks like why are people wearing masks but yeah. at that time it just it was crazy to me that i remember flying from jersey to chicago not wearing a mask but on top of it my husband gave me some wipes he said you know keep the wipes like it's really good like you, you should clean uh, sanitize the chair and everything and i go I sit in my seat and i you know take diligently take out these wipes and i'm reading the thing and it says multi surface shining cloth <laughs> and you know someone next to me was like hey do you mind giving me a wipe and i said Uh, <laughs> should I sure <laughs> i mean i did but you know it didn't help but but you know to go back to the question that you asked if how did i feel about alpha i felt scared i yeah. felt i didn't know i you don't have control over the situation right, right i didn't grasp it for myself over here i was just happy that in zambia i didn't really hit that it wasn't that big over there okay they're safe and then in india it was just the unknown at that point they you know put in a lockdown in place for a month and yeah. these things were just happening and yeah i mean yeah well i guess in the middle of all of this uncertainty and all of this negative news and and fear as much as i guess my pandemic experience started off on a really high note i guess yours did too right you were finally reunited with with your husband after what three years of marriage and that's right you know, even a couple more years of years of long distance even before marriage that's right yeah i mean i was a duke and then when i came uh when i started working so we doing long distance the entirety of our marriage and I was secretly hoping and yeah. this might I don't know how this is going to come off but you know this is how I felt. Yeah. I felt that oh my gosh, I get to stay and work from home for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I will take this. And I kept checking my emails and oh, they've extended it for one more week and they've extended it for another week and I'm just right. thinking this is great because right. I don't need to fly back to New York and work from the office and yeah. I get to be here. But, you know, I think as much as it's affected a lot of, it personally has affected our family you know we've had a loss in our family but in a lot of ways like bart said you know it started as a high for him it started as a high for me too because i am mm -hmm. living with rahul now finally and yeah. it was just great it was like a little vacation that just didn't end yeah. um and well, yeah you you were living with rahul but i guess eventually at some point in that tiny little studio apartment you also were living with your sister right the one who was in seattle and yep. kind of had to come and kind of stay with with closer to us at least correct yeah. so that was very very interesting and very hard and you know i remember when she came from seattle i had a i had my place of my own in jersey which was 
big, much bigger than our studio in Chicago because Raul lived alone here. And I remember she was, I left her back in Jersey when I came to Chicago. And she then gave me a phone call and said, hey, I feel really nervous being here by myself. And obviously without a car, not being able to go get groceries. I, she, she made those statements saying, I would like to be with you. Yeah, and at yeah. that point, I said, okay, yeah. well, we can't fly to get you because now things are crazy. So we actually drove to Jersey to pick her up. Oh, but younger siblings I getting chauffeured oh, around That's you, birth. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember bringing her back and I had, there was happiness and sadness in the sense right. that that happiness of being alone with Rahul for a week or two weeks, I think, at that point was coming to an end. And then now we have my sister who will indefinitely be living with us as much as you know, my sister and I are really close and we, we get along. She's also eight years younger than me. So the dynamic is more I'm our mom and she's my child because I left home when she was uh, eight years old mm -hmm. uh, or nine years old, you know. And so I left her when she was really young. So for me, I'm always her mother, uh, which I'm really working on. And that You'll dynamic had to really get challenged and kind of morph, right? Like yeah. those couple months that you guys were living together? Absolutely. I think yeah. it wasn't fun at all. Um, we live in a studio, the three of us, and we're very grateful that Barth was close to us. So she was able to come here during the day to kind of also get herself away from us and do her own, right. uh, do right. her work. And she was in school. And I remember she would take her meetings from the bathroom while I will take a meeting from one corner of the studio and Rahul will do the same on the other side. So yeah. it was a struggle. We you know, our relationship was really challenged and made me think, wow, actually, I do like space and it is okay to have boundaries. And, yep. you know, those kind of conversations came about and that it's okay that I'm the older sibling and I don't need to be her mother. I can also be her sister and say, hey, this is too much. Speaking um, of boundaries, like I sometimes I feel like in our Desi communities and Desi families, we really have an issue with communicating boundaries to each other, right? So I can just imagine in a period like this where you have a large family in, in one house where yeah. generally you would probably have like the adults go out of the house to work and spend most of the day away from each other and then just come back in the evenings when there's, you know, just a couple hours in the day to spend together with everyone. But now being pushed into one small environment where you all have to live in the same space, but you also have to make that a functional space to get work done and be productive with work correct and you know it made me think and i told myself we're very blessed and privileged that we are safe we have a mm. beautiful space in chicago we can actually go on walks it's very nice to live in a nice area that we do but i also told myself i should be grateful because people like bart said i i've heard stories where you know families uh you know a full family of four plus the grandparents everybody living in less than 500 square feet Right. And that is their normal. Right. And it, not even like Indian families or Desi families, right? Yeah. Just like regular families, mom, dad, two kids. Correct. There isn't that option anymore to send your kids off to daycare while you're working. It's Everything is closed. So I have coworkers who have really kind of struggled, but in a really like inspiring way, persevered through it. You know, struggling to have to put a meeting on hold and to go take care of the kids and like Absolutely. attend to a kid, particularly women at the workplace where there's already kind of this bias of you don't want to come off as too motherly or whatever those other emotions are in a very male dominated industry. Right. So yep. I think a lot of people have been struggling with setting boundaries and kind of just functioning in the same space as, as their whole family. Right. And I think that's that's kind of shown in, in different ways. 
That that is right, and you see the resilience in these women mm. and even men, you know, who are really embracing this. And Bharat is right. I have had a lot of meetings where I could hear the baby crying and <laughs> you know the people apologizing. And at one point, I remember saying in a meeting, "Don't apologize." Mm. And other people saying the same thing. It's okay, yeah. you know. And everybody was trying to figure it out. And I think yeah. we are still trying to figure this out. And I think it's good because in a way, it's great to be with a family, right? I am effectively single in the sense that I live in a studio alone. Natasha is back in Zambia. She's teaching and she's got her own career and life set up there, right? So for me, it sometimes it feels great to have the space, but sometimes it also feels like, okay, sometimes I, I do wish I was with a family or a partner or with kids, someone to like go through things together. Absolutely. And, and granted, you guys just live a couple blocks away. So that's been a huge privilege that I know a lot of my friends who, those who haven't been able to go back home to their parents, those who have continued to stay in the city and work remotely, a lot of them don't have that, right? And it's also a difficult time because I think this pandemic has forced us to like prioritize certain things in terms of, okay, how are we going to define our bubble? Who are we going to interact with without worrying about safety? And who are we going to try and interact with very conscious about safety? And naturally, I can speak for myself. It feels terrible because I haven't had as many opportunities to, to hang out with friends. You know, and, and I know a lot of people are still going to bars and still going to restaurants and trying to do that safely. And, you know, all of this is a is a risk reward calculus that's very personal. And you determine how much risk you're willing to take and how much value that you get back from taking that risk. Right. So no judgment here. I have friends that that go out fairly often to meet with, with different groups of friends, but they are trying to take the precautions to be safe. And they're also trying to maintain a level of sanity. And, uh, you know, right. we're all social creatures and it's it's tough to... Especially when you're alone. Especially when you're alone. And a lot of, I think, us like folks in our 20s and 30s, a lot of us are effectively alone. We are working, we are prioritizing our career, prioritizing setting ourselves up yep. while going through the, the Tinder scene, the dating scene, trying to find a partner. So it's kind of, if you're in that in-between period where you're just enjoying the single life, I, I can't imagine just having this pandemic slammed into your life, you know? And uh, a lot of friends that I've spoken to have kind of been trying to juggle, you know, you put certain things on pause. If you're living with your parents, you kind of put the dating scene on pause because it's really awkward to bring home a guy from Tinder and your parents are at home, you know? Yeah, so they're just not going to be okay with that. <laughs> Let's be real. Especially if hey, they, maybe they would maybe be. Maybe they will be. And maybe that is great. <laughs> definitely don't know how my parents would react. <laughs> I never put them through that. Yeah, yeah. But again, speaking of going through things together, it is a pandemic, you know? A lot of, a lot of folks have lost people that they love and that they care about. Um, and for a lot for a lot of us, it's folks that are halfway across the world. Correct. You know, and in a way, I'm grateful that we have really only lost one person in our family. But that was my first experience, really, with loss and mourning. Right. So I had never really lost anyone that close, at least in my adulthood. Yeah. You know, my Appa's, Appa's dad passed away when I was like, what, maybe You're 12, yeah. 11, 12. So I wasn't really able to grasp what was going on. But Tata, Amma's dad passed away last year and it was difficult. You know, they, they, he was in Chennai. You know, uh, most of our family is in India. Appa and Amma in Zambia, you know, she's kind of going through the mourning process herself. Her and Tata are really close. Yeah. Um, 
and you know us sitting over here we're experiencing the loss of of a grandpa for the first time for the first time and we're also experiencing the loss of someone that that our mom really cares about and not being able to be there to help her through the morning that was also really difficult and i just i'm just thinking about how many how many immigrant families or how many like families that are across all different borders right like how are we dealing with loss dealing with mourning and and trying to be there for each other in a time that man it's it's really difficult to even get get parents to come on zoom like there's also that generational gap in terms of right. what tools me and you can use to yep. be there for each other versus the tools that like we can make them use so that we can be there for each other with with that generation absolutely and honestly with your your grandpa passing away I mean, what a great man. He was a legend, yeah, a legend for sure. His uh, <laughs> Facebook posts were my favorite thing to look at every morning. <laughs> they were ranging from provocative to hilarious to political. He was just <laughs> wild. To random flowers with good morning written on them. That like. always was there. That was always there. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it was so sad to see you and Rahul kind of go through losing your grandpa, yeah. especially to COVID, because I also heard a story that he had just told uh, their Rahul and Bart's cousin a few months before he passed, saying one of his Air Force buddies uh, passed away and he had a full, you know, uh, veteran-style uh, funeral. Mm. And, uh, you know, Venu Tata said, oh, you know, when I pass away one day, I want that because yeah. he was a social person. And he said, make sure I have all he the guns salute and everything. He was in the Air Force, in the Indian Air Force, very proud of it, yep. fought in a couple wars. And, you know, he, he set up his whole life around serving the Air Force and giving back to the Air Force after he had retired. So he was a part of all these veterans groups. He was a leader for a lot of these veterans groups right. for fundraising and, and, and all of that. So, you know, he, was, he, was re he really took pride in that. And with the pandemic... You know, you make certain concessions, you make certain sacrifices. And one of the things that kind of get cut out in, in the name of being safe, and a lot of times rightfully so, is saying goodbye to your loved ones in, in a way that helps those who are mourning, right? That's right. And I think the hardest thing to see was people, you know, when they have COVID, they pass away in isolation. Yeah. And I think especially knowing Venutata and how he was, that must have been the most difficult thing even for him to go through alone. And I remember yeah. they, I heard that they said he wrote notes before he died saying, you know, I'm okay. And um, Man was a legend. He, t he, t he kind of he had a journal, kept a guys. journal in his last days. And he was just like, you know what? Like, I'm kind of going, so I'm going to just be myself. Yeah, and he even wrote in his journal that I'm really sorry my handwriting is not up to, <laughs> you know, it's not up to standards. Don't know where he was planning on publishing those journals <laughs> and apologizing to whom. But, yeah, uh, but now we're yeah. talking about him. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. and you know, one thing that makes me really happy is um, with, with, with our families generally having such a difficulty accepting Natasha because she's Zambian and not really knowing what that entails. Um, I always wanted Tata to, to know about her mm -hmm. and to be there at the wedding because I always felt like 
I, I never really told him about her because he's the kind of man who doesn't give a damn what anyone thinks. And he'll go post all over Facebook, all over WhatsApp True. and proudly posting, not really in any kind of malicious intent. Yeah. He just will share anything about his life and not care what other people think. I remember because I remember freaking out seeing a picture of me and Rahul <laughs> before when we were younger on his Facebook. Right. But, oh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So like I, I always felt like he's the one person in the family that like honestly couldn't care less right yeah so for him to pass before the wedding there were there was a lot of emotions around that but one of the good things one of i guess the best moments of my life is when he was he was in the hospital barely able to to speak barely able to walk and whatnot and he wanted to talk to natasha because i you know my amma at that point had already told him about about her and whatnot and he was really excited to meet her and i'm just really grateful that the two of them got to spend even whatever 20 30 seconds yep. on a whatsapp video call and i'm really happy that she was able to to talk to him and he could see her face and i could see the smile on his face and the only thing he said to her i think he was kind of low on oxygen and was barely able to talk but he just looks at her for a couple of seconds and says sweet child sweet child and man that that was good enough for me, man. Like yeah. that, that was, I'm happy. I'm really happy that moment happened. I'm really you know? happy. And even, even in his worst state, even in his deathbed, the man still found a way to bring joy to people, yeah. you know? And, and I'm sure a lot of us are family like that, that we want to be around all the time, but we can't because, you know, they're in different parts of the world. Yeah. And again, for those of you who have lost anyone in this pandemic, stick in there. Stick it, in it there and really, we're giving you a big virtual hug. Exactly. We're all kind of going through this to some extent, but we're going through it together. Um, on that note, though, let's take a quick break and we'll get back. Welcome back, guys. Um, so, Raksha, speaking about, you know, kind of different routines in a pandemic, We've all kind of had to overnight switch things up, that's right. figure out a way to work at home in a space that's hopefully for a lot of people a, a refuge from all the, the busyness and everything that happens around the world. How, how did you handle kind of having to push everything in one space, building a routine with, with, with your husband, living with him? How, how did that work out for you? I loved it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm a planner. I plan every single moment of my day um and sometimes Raul tells me in a vacation please don't use that word poa so poa for me is plan of action so i'll tell him every time we're on a vacation or we're somewhere hey babe what's the poa and i love that he always indulges and answers my questions because he knows it makes me feel better so for me it was very natural for me setting a routine really really kept me going that every day I, I knew what I was going to do and it, it didn't bother me that every day was the same for months and you know I kind of really fell in love with working out I really fell in love with my health and my wellness journey and I had so much time to do it because take away that time that we commute right we I used to spend at least two hours commuting and we're taking that out of the, the picture now and I can just wake up and do a quick workout. I can shower, sit on my computer, and I know I'm going to dedicate until lunch 
and I'm going to work and give it my 100%. I used to really try to find that motivation. Uh, some days were hard, some days were good. And then I'd tell myself, I'm going to make something really nice for lunch because I have an hour. I can cook really quickly. And I did this in the beginning of the pandemic. I would make a good lunch. I would take a quick walk. I would do. I would try to do it all because I was just thinking, this is going to end sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to just get it all done, like everything done, you know. And I think um, I realized how much time we have in a day how much time that before previously i would come back from home come back from work really tired sit on my couch for two hours and then be like oh do i really need to go to the gym now and mm. kind of drag that on but no i don't feel like that anymore i don't feel that lethargy and that energy just came naturally and i just loved planning my days oh nauseating <laughs> yeah that's not you planned the whole day stuck to everything checked every box oh even made the bed every single day <laughs> every single day and rahul was banned from taking naps because imagine <laughs> living dad. in a studio three yeah. of us for, for the first part of the pandemic and then the bed is messy. That's not okay. <laughs> not in her house. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, for me, man, like it was it was weird because I was on a high from the engagement, from the trip, from feeling like I, I got a whole bunch of major life things done. Right. right? So when I came back, I, I, I feel like I am an extrovert in the sense that I love hanging out with people and talking to people and like going out with folks. But I also really do appreciate like personal time. Right. So for me, I feel you in the beginning of the pandemic, man, I ordered a bunch of books. I took the time. I was just like, I again, don't need to commute, save on a couple hours a day. Work was going good. I was keeping busy. Um, I was I was blazing through books and I was just enjoying that and really like appreciating that that productivity in a sense, right. but not really just for productivity's sake. Because I felt like, man, I've been wanting to read these books for months, if not years. So maybe like this is the time for me to just like bunker down and just get through some of these. Right. So I was feeling really productive in the beginning. And I won't lie. It wasn't until maybe October mm -hmm. that, man, I got to a point where it, it just was getting a bit monotonous. monotonous. And I think I've also got I've also like at that point. I was also thinking about when flights would open up from Zambia and when Natasha would be able to fly in over here and like spend some time with me. Yeah. Because at that point, we were both mentally getting prepared to kind of skip December as a, as a vacation period yeah. and just like see each other at the wedding some point this year, right? In 2021. Right. So I think that all those emotions kind of got into it and I was really not being very productive at work. And I, I really struggled with the routine. Did you think that, do you think with the pandemic that we all kind of said, oh my gosh, we have so much time, the pressure to be productive, the pressure yeah. to accomplish things. You know, a lot of, we were reading initially, I remember sharing all these articles with one another. It's okay, guys, to not be productive because yes, there is that pressure, you know, you, right. did you feel that pressure that you have so much time that you need to accomplish, I don't know, learn German, do this and do that. And yeah, I, I definitely felt like I was wasting time. You know, both in terms of like, you know, when you when you are in on any kind of temporary visa status, you're constantly thinking about your next moves to kind of 
have a sense of permanency in any place, right? So you're trying to think about not the next job opportunity per se, but like, how do I get to a place where I can, I can either have the kind of job that I want or live in the kind of city that I eventually want to settle in or like find a way to get to that like visa status mm-hmm. that I can be more permanent in. Um, so those pressures of like, not just being productive on a day-to-day level, but being productive on like a life scale as well, that I think that started getting to me. And it, it got to a point when I, I started seeing a therapist. And for me, it, it's, it was never really any kind of hesitancy to see a therapist. I just never felt like I was at that point where one, I could afford one, but also where I felt like I needed one. But, you know, the more that I spent time thinking about how to be productive, the more I kind of got caught up in my own mind it felt like, okay, it would be helpful to have someone else to kind of give you a fresh perspective and give you some of these tools on not just how to be productive, right? Because mental health is beyond just being able to get work done and and tick boxes effectively. It's it's just about being more mindful about your routine. It's about finding a level of like true happiness and just being more honest with yourself. So that was a new experience for me in the pandemic. And, you know, I, I found a lot of value in that how did you go about finding this therapist? Because a lot of people, they're, the hardest thing to do is, how? okay, I think I might need a therapist, but how do I find one? That's that's an excellent question. And to be very honest with you, I kind of don't know the answer. Um, I'm thankful that I'm in a big company where we get, um, I think it's five sessions free per year. Mm-hmm. And we have a service that our company subscribed to. Um, and so I know a couple of other friends who have also done a similar thing where they work in bigger companies. And so they have access to a certain amount of free sessions. Um, and they've also taken that route. And honestly, I don't feel like it gives you the opportunity to necessarily have a long-term relationship with your therapist. But I think it's an excellent way to get started, to see some of the benefits that come from having these conversations with a trained professional. Trained professional and a third person who doesn't really know you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that helps. That definitely does. In a normal situation, that, that helps. Yeah. What more someone who knows human behavior, who has, who has the qualifications to understand how we, how we respond when we are put in different situations as human beings. I think that, that is a really valuable way um, and a really valuable resource. So for those of you who are maybe looking for someone to talk to, um, if you're in a, in a bigger company, mid-sized company, start there first. You never know what resources are available to you that we kind of just don't think about. Um, so yeah, that's how I got started and I've always been open to it, right? I think like mental health is just like physical health. If you have a problem with your body, you go see a specialist who knows what's going on with your body and can tell you what to do. Yeah. And the same thing with, with the mind. Right. But uh, yeah, I guess I never really felt like boxed in my own head as I did during the pandemic when you're kind of like physically boxed in a full ward space for a long time for a long time and you know a lot of people are going through that and a lot of us are trying to trying to juggle that correct so that was something that you newly experienced during the pandemic you saw a therapist yep and I'm really glad that I did I'm happy for you thanks yeah yeah one of the one of the other things that also really helped me was I got a bike over the summer 
And you and Rahul at that point, I think, were already biking quite a bit. Guys, I became a fitness guru. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We all did, mate. We were two of the Francing the hell out of the Chicago Lake Shore. <laughs> we were the best bikers in the Chicago Lake. Nobody, nobody can beat us. We were the trio, proud okay, mate. trio. Okay, mate. We weren't yet at the level of those guys wearing those like skinny ass shirts and no, those no, no, like, no, no. like colorful helmets and stuff. Yeah, we weren't that bad. But, you know, we got into a really good routine. And I think that really really helped me kind of get out of the space yeah. mentally and and go out and get some fresh air and do some physical activity in a way that was also really fun i'd seen a lot more of chicago by doing that than i previously had so i that was one of i think the best experiences during the pandemic is to so be true. able to do that and to be able to do that with you guys and not alone right i remember um when this whole thing was happening you know the initial part of the pandemic Raul and I would take our bike. I, he bought me a bike many years ago that I never used. Uh, and he really would entice me every time I'd come to visit. Hey, do you want to grab the bike? And I would just say no. But, you know, I said, okay, let's give this a shot. And we would go on these bike rides and then we'd come back and tell Bharat, oh, we did this and we saw this. And, you know, um, and then I remember he said, I'm going to get a bike, guys. And we were so excited because we didn't want to be that group of people saying you should get a bike because we got one. But... We were very excited that he got the bike. And I remember he made the decision and they went and picked up that bike that afternoon. Yeah, there was there was no need for peer pressure in that instance. I, I just, I did it anyway. <laughs> Amazing. But I, on, that was my favorite moments of the summer. Yeah. I mean, we biked every single day for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the weekends, we would plan these little expeditions that saying we're going to hit Evanston, that's in Chicago, about 30 miles from where we live. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a real challenge too because Very I, hot. before that I'd never really also like envisioned being able to bike that far. But yeah, that was a really good good time and I think a lot of folks probably also felt like the summer was an easier time to deal with things with with the pandemic and all the other social things going on with with the the reckoning of 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 racial issues in the country with the political scene with a lot of social things that are happening around us on top of the pandemic. Um, I think a lot of people probably felt like the summer was a good time to take a, not a break from that, but physically get out there and like get your mind off of it and do something physical. And then, you know, the weather changes and here we are and, you know, you go through winter and again, you're stuck in the same spaces, you're stuck in, in your mind and you don't really have any kind of like physical outlet as easily accessible as during the summer. Especially, I mean, it's also so cold here in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, particularly in Chicago, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that we, we maximized our summer and we were able to do all those activities that we enjoy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But now- Raul and I did some camping too, social distance, <laughs> socially distant uh, camping. Yeah. We did some camping and then, you know, Natasha was here over the winter um, for like four weeks. Yeah. And we managed to, after the quarantine and everything, we managed to go out to, what's this, Devil's Devil's Lake State Park in Wisconsin. And did our first winter hike. Oh, we, we were the dumbasses that went during a snowstorm and ended up there with, I don't know how much snow. No I was one excited was though. I was excited. I was excited. <laughs> it was, it was good. It was a really great experience. It was, a, I, I would say it was a uh, practice run uh, with you guys before we went on our little road trip to Colorado from Chicago. We drove, Raul and I uh, drove to Colorado for 16 hours yeah. because we didn't want to take a flight. Again, it's the pandemic, the way we yeah. view things. 
we would rather f- drive there. But in um, a way, because of the pandemic, you guys also had so many vacation days to kind of burn through in one big trip, right? That so, is true. And yeah. you and he, Bharat, is the one who, you, you're the one who... Uh, I was like, come on, guys. The, the thing that happens in this family is whenever we have a chunk of time, we sit at home and bum around. So, I, you know, <laughs> it's good to kind of go out there and, and check out some of these places. So I'm really glad that you guys did because I think in a way... We try to save up all of these vacation days to go back home. Correct. And because we haven't been able to do that the past year, I guess... We had to take a vacation. We had to take a vacation, right? Or you guys took a vacation, which was good. Yeah, and you got to spend time with Natasha over here. Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, that was really good. Again, you know, with all the uncertainty of whether that would happen or not, really glad that 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 happened. Um, And we got to spend time together. And it was just good to just be in the same space as a couple, as an engaged couple, yeah. you know, having a more fluid kind of relationship with our parents as well. Um, that felt like it was a, a really good four weeks. The normalcy, Bharat. The normalcy. Yeah. You know, trying to find the pockets of normal in, in these uncertain times and trying to like hold on to the good things that are happening. And for a lot of us, and at a lot of times, it may be really difficult to try and focus on the good and it might be even a bit cliche to say, hey, focus on the, all the great things that are happening in your life. But, you know, if you're at that place where a lot of good things are happening and as it tends to happen in life, it's, it's, it's a good time to kind of refocus and give yourself some perspective on the things that you can at least control and the things that you can't. You yeah. Know? And think, also think about it this way, Barth, with the pandemic and you guys have not been in the same space for that long alone with each other, yeah. not having anything to do. Because we right. you couldn't go to restaurants. Oh man, when she's always here, we are always meeting up with my friends over here. It's just like and you're busy we have, all the time. Yeah, and we have some friends from Zambia who are also here in the U.S. and you know some friends who are in other places. Last summer, two summers ago, for example, we had friends that came in from Australia, and we kind of well, Natasha kind of tagged along with them to do like a almost like a U.S. tour. And I was still working. I'm trying to still save up all my days for when I can go home. But the weekends are always packed, you know, like the weekends are always, hey, we're going to Texas. So, hey, we're going to New York or doing this or doing that. So, I, yeah, it was for the first time. We had a chunk of four weeks when two weeks of it was quarantine. Yeah. But even in the other two weeks, it's not like we're seeing anyone because everyone is every, all of my friends are usually either at home with their parents or not able to come out too often. And you know we'd see you guys. Yeah, but we'd go on walks. Yeah, we didn't. We 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 didn't even go out to a restaurant. But the only yeah. time we did go out to a restaurant was for uh, our cousin's wedding. Yep. which was a very intimate. Yeah. Seven person wedding, which yeah. was beautiful, and that was the only time that we. You know, I think that was the only time we ate at a restaurant. We've yeah. been we've been really good. We've and been, even that, like, think about how stressed out we were. We were we were like talking right? through it, talking yeah. <laughs> through the whole process of how are we going to be at the restaurant? What are we going to do? Are we wearing our masks? And yeah. all these questions. And oh, we also had my dog Toffee. Like, will he be yeah. allowed? And what are you feeling like the next year is going to look like? You know, things are still very uncertain. But you know, what, people are getting what's the vaccines. Your, what's your outlook on the on the future? You know, we do have. You know, I, I have a few doctor friends and friends in the medical industry who are getting their vaccines, which is good to see. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we want enough of those to get to those people who are working on the front line first. Um, but it, it looks like the tide is slowly turning, hopefully. But with all these new variants coming out, it's difficult. How are you dealing with the, not just the stresses, but like the, the practical logistics of looking into the next six months to the next year? Things to me, I feel this year is still going to take a while to get back to normal. And yeah. I, you, you know this. And for me, I'm right now at a crossroads in my career, and I've been uh, 
kind of affected a little bit with the pandemic with my career in terms of you know not my work visa not working out with it being a lottery we'll talk about that later <laughs> uh, but you know um if it was a normal time even when i was talking to pe- folks at my work if it was a normal time i would have been able to move to europe i would have been able to move right. to canada or some other country australia i don't know wherever right. it is and kind of like taken on this role and moved forward but with the pandemic it's it's it's, it's tough to figure that out right folks are not moving people across countries yeah. you know it there's a global hiring freeze there's a lot of uncertainty in 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 every industry it seems like possibly with the exception of tech but you know even then you know i i don't know what happens to a lot of folks who are at the end of some of their visas and need to figure out what the next plan is um it is a really difficult time and again raksha and i are by no means experts in 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 public health but from what we're seeing and what everybody's seeing right like it it looks like this thing is going to go on for a while right and we kind of have to just mentally prepare to be in that place where we accept the new normal yeah. continue to be dynamic and continue to be flexible with the things that we can do and we can do and mindful and mindful yeah you know like really put this is a time you know it it feels like we've already done a lot of this and it'll be great to go back to hanging out with friends and shooting the shit at the bars but yeah. like uh, you know we kind of have to keep prioritizing our happiness and our inner peace and you know focus on us as much as we can yeah again i i do understand that that's a privilege that that you know not everybody has the ability to not worry about work which i'm really grateful for right like in my work i've been able to transition to work from home fairly seamlessly yeah and i know a lot of my friends have been able to do that but i also have friends who have been let go or furloughed or yeah. are you know i'm quite not sure what's happening with their work and it is a really difficult time but we hope that you guys stick in there you know be be focused on on your happiness try to focus on on yourself and and looking inside and finding a certain sense of of purpose and yeah. and mindfulness um yeah you know and with- for you barth like i think that it's going to be an interesting year because we already had one uh wedding last year that yeah. we saw it took a complete turn right yeah. having all this big wedding planned out and this whole dreams and everything i mean i got married i know i had all these grand plans and i wanted all of it right and right. I, it was many years ago yeah. but now we're in a pandemic and i saw how they scaled it down to us we kept telling them that was beautiful that was amazing yeah but then you, you know putting yourself as a bride and a groom and always dreaming of that big day with all of your friends and families and they had to scale it down and they still don't know what they're going to be doing you know in terms of the next right. steps with their wedding it's a really uncertain time to be planning a wedding but you know we kind of have to figure out push back on a lot of i guess like perceived notions in in our families and communities about weddings being a big occasion and like only it can only realistically happen if everyone is there you know trying to taper some of those expectations in our minds our parents minds and our whole family's minds um it 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 is a challenge to try and plan weddings right now with consideration for safety precautions and consideration for people who have to travel and fly in from other places right so it's difficult but you know a lot of us have kind of have to figure this out this year and a lot of us have already had to figure this out in the past year so you know it's going to be prioritize what is important to you and why are you getting married right right and you know there's also this added pressure of of our families kind of of us wanting to start our families and like get it get to the same place 
again, back to that notion of having a sense of permanency, right? Like wanting to be in the same place together with your partner, wanting to put your roots down, wanting to finally say, hey, this is home. Right. So those pressures are also there. And moving on with your life. And moving on with your life. Right. Like, you know, you want to start that chapter of your life with your partner in the same home, in the same space um, with that level of intimacy. So I think those things will kind of fall into place. Yeah. And add to that that we come from, you know, an Indian family and, yeah. you know, Indian weddings are really big. And I'm assuming in, Zamb- in Zambia, too, the weddings are Huge big occasion. Again, yeah, very similar kind of like family drama and dynamics yeah. in terms of, did you invite this uncle but not that uncle? You'll be surprised like, <laughs> how similar Zambian and Indian culture are. Yeah, but that's yeah where, for sure. That's something we need to talk about. Yeah, but you know, like again, these things, like everything else with the pandemic, right? Like we kind of just have to find that balance of that risk-reward calculus of, of is this worth doing um, and what do I get out of doing it? Um, you know, and that's everyone's kind of personal judgment call. So Raksha, we've kind of talked about a lot and unpacked a lot of what our experiences have been in the past year. You know, what what sticks out to you in summary of, of what what all you've gone through, what all we've gone through and, and the things that, you know, you take away from this conversation? You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is how privileged we are mm. and how blessed we are. Um, we had a roof over our heads. We had comfortable homes. And... It also helped us put a pause button to our life in some ways where, you know, we each found things that we enjoyed and we were able to do, uh, do it well as best as we could and really um, reflect on different things that we wouldn't have during our busy go, go, go life. Mm. So, but I will say, you know, just thinking back of last year, how grateful I am for the situation that we were in, in the sense that we are privileged human beings right right and for here i really think about my friends that are frontline workers and in general frontline workers and essential workers and um people out there risking our lives to make our lives better right right no for sure i you know there's a few people in my circle who are out there and you know they have expressed a lot of fear and a lot of you know frustration too with with folks not following certain protocols when they're seeing the impact of that right in front of their eyes. Um, and yeah, you know, that that aspect of privilege also kind of sticks out to me. When I look back and when I think about the current situation that we're in, I'm really grateful that, you know, I don't have to worry as much about job security as, as a lot of other folks, you know, in like historic unemployment numbers in the country right now. But somehow it feels like I am dissociated from that. And, you know, I have to be conscious when, when, when looking at my experience through the pandemic um, of, of those privileges. So, you know, for sure, to all the, all the essential workers out there, to all the healthcare workers out there, thank you for what you do. To those of you who have to kind of get out of your house to do your job, you know, thank you for what you do for yourselves, for your families. I know it's a tough decision for a lot of you, but keep at it. Um, it's been a tough year. For us, it's been a tough year for a lot of folks, but just know that if anything, this is a time that you know for sure that you're not going through it alone, right? Like we can share so many of these stories and these stories should at least give you a sense of solidarity because it definitely does give me a sense of solidarity that me and you aren't the only ones going through it, Raksha. Yeah. Like the, the whole world is, is trying to figure out how to be happy, how to be functional, <laughs> how to stay alive. And what's our new normal? Yeah, yeah, you know, getting used to that. Welcome, everybody, to a segment called Shattering Stereotypes. 
As Indians from Africa, we've been asked some of the craziest questions. Hey, Bar, how come you speak such good English, bro? Why, just because I'm from Africa? Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people from Zambia and the African continent speak excellent English. This is primarily because of the history of colonization. A lot of folks know how to speak English, the language of business is in English, and everybody goes to school in the English medium. And similarly, there are a lot of countries where they speak French and Portuguese. You shattered my stereotype. Woo! Woo! Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you were able to take something away from this conversation. Please follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Two Suitcases Pod. Again, that's at Two Suitcases Pod spelled out. Feel free to leave feedback, ask questions, or even suggest topics for future episodes. Look out for the next episode on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for unpacking with us. See you next time.